Welcome to Modern Animism Radio. I'm your host, Laura Giles. It's the week of Halloween when people in scary masks go around playing tricks on people and hiding from ghosts. And this tradition has been around in many forms for such a long time. And if you're an animist, you know that it's a special time and it's easier to contact the dead, both good and bad. And you may want to do this intentionally and make it part of your daily animist practice. So today I'm going to talk about that, so how to start an ancestor honoring practice. So let's get started by acknowledging the ancestors and the elements. And this could actually be something that you do. I don't do an invocation. An invocation is to call something in. And I don't have to call in the elements or ancestors because they're always here with me. Um, So I acknowledge and thank the element of earth for giving us a home, food from the harvest, a strong, stable foundation to my life, and also within my family, a sense of belonging, and the Pan Society spiritual community. I acknowledge and thank the element of air for helping me to speak clearly and hear what others have to say. This helps to keep me and Pan Society growing and connecting. Thank you for helping us to hear the whispers from the other world. I acknowledge and thank the element of fire for giving us the power to create change within ourselves and in the outer world and a sense of responsibility to keep things balanced. I acknowledge uh, and thank the element of water for showing us how to bounce back, take it easy, and go with the flow. I thank you for taking us deep within sometimes where the juicy, scary growth happens. I acknowledge and thank our loving, helping ancestors from the human, plant, animal, and mineral kingdoms. I thank you for all the blessings that we receive that are both seen and unseen. I ask that you speak loudly and clearly in voices or symbols that we can understand so that we don't miss your lessons, warnings, messages, and love. A big thank you to our listeners, too, of course. Thank you for tuning in, sharing your comments and questions. We're seeing more of you in our private Facebook group and our online course, and I really appreciate you checking us out. If you'd like to reciprocate and support with a donation, you can do that at buymeacoffee.com forward slash pan society. So why bother creating a relationship with the dead? Lots and lots of reasons. Um, no, and they're not like ranked in an order of value, so I'm just going to throw these out here. But the first thing that it does is it helps us to die better and let go when others die because you're engaging with death. You know, we live in a society that's pretty sterile. We don't get close to things that are vile, nasty, unpleasant. Somebody does all these things for us. So we use the bathroom and the toilet goes away. We never have to deal with it. Somebody picks up our garbage for most of us if you don't live in a country like I do and you have to go to the dump. Um, And it's just dealt with. When when somebody dies, we hire somebody and they do all of that. So when you're creating a relationship with the dead, you're actually participating in death. It's all around you. And so it just becomes more natural. And so it it, it becomes something that we just don't fear. And... um, it's always been a part of my life, but definitely as I get older, it's closer because you see more people die, so I have more experience with it. Because when I was younger, I, I didn't have anybody die that was close to me at all. Um, it wasn't until I was in my 30s that that, that happened. So, you know, I, like I said, as you get older, you, you just see it more. Um, and it has definitely made it easier for me to talk about, to to be present with, to understand And I think that's universally true, too. Another reason to uh, build um, an ancestor practice 
is that it helps us to stay connected with the spirit world and our own spiritual being because clearly they're not physical, right? So when you engage with the spirit world and, and you see evidence that it engages back, that validates that there actually is one and that you are a spiritual being too. And I think if you don't have any experience with that, it's easy to say that, you know, nothing exists. Um, another benefit is that it helps us to know the dead better and see where they are in us and helps us to helps us and them when we clean up the ancestral junk that we inherited. So it's relational. Uh, and if we have a relationship with them, they're going to help us to see things in ourselves that they have. It benefits them when when they when we clean up their junk or our shared junk so that it doesn't keep cycling around in our family tree. So it's good for both sides. Uh, ancestor veneration also helps us to have roots and feel like we belong somewhere. It helps us to know our strengths as well as our challenges. It gives us power. It removes isolation um, and helps us to feel, helps me to feel like I'm standing on the shoulder of giants. So this doesn't mean that we they have to be well-known in their field or have made a lot of money, but you, when you just know their stories and hear about their bravery, the things that they endure, just going through life is an act of bravery, then you kind of get a lot more respect for where you came from. And, and knowing that you're rooted means a ton. There's so many people who are just drifting and they're lost and they don't feel like they belong anywhere. I ask about the cultures that go, well, I don't have any culture. Of course you do. Everybody has culture. (laughs) There's no human on earth without culture. And if you engage in that culture with your people, then you have better sense of it. You have a sense of where you belong and what is yours and just a sense of connection that you wouldn't have if you're not engaging with your ancestors. Um, Another thing is that it provides us with help with our challenges. There's lots of intergenerational stuff. Uh, I think we can see that now. I don't know if it's just because of the Internet and and information is just so much available, but, you know, when do you not hear stories of sexual abuse, child abuse, poverty, addiction, mental illness, depression, victim thinking, or entitlement? I mean, it's, you know, dirty laundry cells. So we're talking about this stuff all the time. And it's not just happening to us. It's happened over and over and over and over and over in our family line. Sometimes they're big things like the Holocaust, if you're Jewish, or it could be famines or slavery. These things just don't go away when the people die. They stay within us if we don't resolve them. So if this is in you, then the ancestors can certainly help you because they got skin in the game too. You know, they're carrying it and they, they want us to succeed, so they're going to give us clues if we ask for how to heal that. So gigantic free resource. It does take your um, devotion and your attention to to gain that relationship and to nurture it, but it's not going to cost you anything more than your time and attention. So my suggestion would be to connect with those people. So now the next question is going to be like, well, how? Okay, I'm sold. How do I do this? So um, one thing is to establish funeral rites that people in your family will recognize as a funeral so that people know what is this process, what we're doing, because when you die, I've heard tons and tons and tons of stories about 
the spirits of the dead attending their own funeral. And and if you've ever been to any funerals, I'm sure you've heard that story or heard, uh, seen evidence of that. And so when they come, then it helps them to know that they're dead. They'll be like, oh, this is a coffin. Oh, there's my body. Oh, these people are doing these things that people do when someone dies. And it's like, oh, okay, I'm dead. And that might sound kind of silly, but sometimes it's, death is abrupt. It's unexpected. And you just don't know. You know, I was here, and then, then something happened. Now I don't know what's happening. Uh, or maybe you're drunk or something or, or on drugs, um, and, you know, you just feel like it's a dream or something. So having a funeral helps both the living and the dead know where you need to be in the wheel of life. And we don't want them hanging around not knowing that they're dead. Um, that energy doesn't belong here. It belongs on the other side. So the funeral is a process that helps the living move through the grief. Um, this is also a really important way to help the dead release anything that they're holding on to. And this happens through the living's prayers and rituals. So the living lets go of any resentments or expectations that went unfulfilled so that everybody has peace. So funerals are super, super important. Um, I don't know if you're paying attention to this, but there are more and more professional mourners. Keening is a way to get those feelings out. The soul needs to wail. And if someone can get it started, then everybody just can open up. It's like a warm-up band for a concert or the belly dancer at a party. Just like we need someone to help us get in a good mood, a party mood, we also need someone to show that it's okay to connect with those feelings of grief and loss and let them out. And a good keening is just, oh, it reaches down into your soul and just wrenches it right out of you. So that's a really, really healing, cleansing thing. Um, funerals used to be a time of preparing the body, telling stories, sharing feelings. Now it's all outsourced to a paid undertaker or a preacher, and it's so sterile and impersonal. You have three days to make arrangements-ish. And an hour, you know, that's the standard U.S. time that you have for grief. Um, but And then we have an hour to listen to someone who didn't even know the deceased, recap their life, and then it's time to get on with things. And, and that's absurd. In animal animist cultures, you have 30 days, 90 days, a year, or sometimes some different time frame. Um, it's different from culture to culture to do grief in a leisurely supported way. And everybody knows the deal. They don't bring you food one day and expect you to be back to normal the next. And I think the animist way is a lot healthier. Everyone needs space to feel, to support, to go through the motions. And this is why many indigenous cultures have funerals that last for days. This is why we keen or have elaborate rituals that involve releasing the soul or preparing the body or the bones. The funeral and the time in the in-between is also to give you and the deceased a chance to let go. So many cultures have a hard stop where you can no longer speak to the dead after they're gone or call their names. And for some, it's immediately. There's no speaking the names. Burn and give away all their belongings so that that tie is severed. And this leaves them with nowhere to go. So there's no energy given to them. There's no reason to hang on. It makes things very final, very clean, no limbo. And that's the reason that they do it, so that they will go, because they don't belong here. It's not that I don't love you. It's that you don't belong here. Um, another way to kind of bring this into your life is to find out who your ancestors were. Lots of people have no idea. You know, maybe you know your grandparents and that's it. Um, talk to them. Human stories are great. So talk to the oldest people in your family who are still alive. 
they, they will give you those human stories. You know, they'll give you recipes. Who fell in love with whom? How? When? Who got their heart broken? Who started a business? Who was a bootlegger? Who was a slave? Who had mental illness? These things fill in the small details that make life interesting. They're the story of you. And so many stories, you know, you're going to hear these things and be like, oh, my God, it's like holding up a mirror and you see yourself. And it's just fantastic. Um, you can also do Ancestry.com or 23andMe or some other service to find out what science has to say. This isn't 100%. Things are updated all the time. But they're going to give you big picture things. They show the story of how your people migrated. Maybe they give some insight into spiritual practices or persecution stories. So, like, what I'm saying is, like, if you knew that your people migrated from Iceland in the 1600s, um, it's probably not going to say that, but, like, in the 1800s maybe, and you look at generically what was going on in Iceland in the 1800s, you'll get an idea of what they were going through as a culture. So maybe not your people in particular, but your big-picture people. Um, you're going to get stories of conquerors. And this can help you to establish some roots. Um, lots of people don't have any idea who they are. When you ask, they say, I have no culture. Fish live in water. You can't ask what is it like to live in water because it's all you know. So you have to look outside yourself to see something different sometimes, to see who you are or to see into your shadow and blind spots. This can help a lot, especially if you're a black sheep. You get 50% of your DNA from your mom, 50% from your dad, and you're not going to get the same 50% as your sibling. So you could have a really different genetic makeup background from your sibling, especially if you have a multicultural background. Another thing you can do is do an ancestral pilgrimage or consider hiring a genealogical tour guide. Maybe you never heard of that. But there are some people who help to do research. For example, if your people came from Liverpool, you can find someone who does genealogical tours in Liverpool who can do some research on your family before you get there. Uh, then they can take you to these places that are specific to your people and enlighten you on customs during the time period that they live there. They can show you buildings where they lived and worked or where they were buried and that kind of thing. It is super informative to do something like that. You're going to come back with so much more than you ever imagined. Um, they'll tell you about, like, what was life like and, and like, the daily stuff, farming practices, worship, normal day-to-day -day stuff. It's the kind of stuff that we don't think about usually when we're doing genealogical research, for some of us anyway. It's like, you know, uh, where was the king in my family? Who was the famous people? That's kind of what most people fixate on. But these are like the little day-to-day -day details that can help you really connect to who you were and who your people were. Another practice that's really popular that can help you to connect is the dumb supper. And this is the time of year that you can do it anytime, but this is the time of year that it's the most popular. Um, with the dumb supper, basically what you're doing is making a dinner for the dead. So you're going to make things that they traditionally like to eat, which could be not easy if you're not in that place anymore, like your people are from overseas. And then uh, it's, it's, it tends to be done at midnight, but you can do it whenever you want. And once the, everything is set up, you set them a plate, you get your plate, and then you sit down and quietly have dinner, no talking. So what you're doing is you're inviting them in, having dinner with them. You're keeping an open mind so that you can hear their voices, hear what messages they have to say, um, and just be with them. And we did this uh, last year for a group of people who had never done it before. And there were tears and there were 
people, it was real emotional because you do feel things and you feel other people's stuff too. You're sensitive and you could sometimes maybe even see them and get messages for other people. Like say that I'm really skeptical and, and I'm not open to it, then you probably aren't going to get the message. But somebody who's in the space with you might get it and give it to you. So it's really good to do, uh, it's really good to do with your own people because it's your family. But if you're doing it with other people too, that's a reason that I would do it with other people because Maybe I'll get your message and you'll get mine. Uh, another thing that you can do is the ancestor shrine. Uh, this is going to be the most time-consuming practice as it's going to be an ongoing thing that is really the basis of the relationship, I think. It's a commitment. You can't just put it down. This is a place that's only for communicating with your ancestors. So it's not for manifesting money, getting a fair outcome in court, or any of those other candles that you can buy in the store. Uh, it's for your people, period. And if you don't have what's called an enlivened shrine, you have to bring it to life before it has any energy at all or can be used as a portal, so to speak, for your ancestors. So all existing animus practices and some other paths that aren't animus, like Buddhists, have practices for enlivening the shrine. They aren't all the same. I just want you to know that you can't just put up a birdhouse and call it a shrine. Uh, well, you can, but it's not going to operate as one without being enlivened. And some say the only only the spirit walker can do that. Others say that communities, uh, prayers can do that. Um, so I would check into your traditions and find out how you do that. But it does have to be enlivened or that it's just going to be like a symbol. And once you have your shrine, you're going to put only meaningful items here. So everything is a symbol um, and everything should have meaning. If it doesn't, then don't put it there. If you're putting live stuff there, you want to keep it fresh. If you put down food, change it daily, change your water daily. Offerings should be things um, that your ancestors like. So don't give them a Heineken if they like bourbon. Uh, so you're going to know who you're making offerings to. It's going to be personal. Flowers are always good. Just make sure that the they're not um, dying. And once they do start to die, that you remove them. So anything that's not appealing to you isn't going to be good for them. You want nice, fresh, beautiful energy like you would want if you were receiving it. Candles draw light and attention, so candles are always good. If you're using incense, you want an incense holder uh, that can contain all the ashes so that it doesn't, so that it doesn't get messy. Uh, a bowl is typically used to put offerings in. A water container is often a little bowl. Um, Water with a little salt in it actually makes it easy for the energy to flow so that uh, you can make easier contact. And while you're there at the shrine, you want to talk to them, thank them, share your day. Don't just ask for stuff. They're not a spiritual ATM. Think of them as a human that they are in spirit form. Um, they're still humans. So, you know, it's kind of like how do you want to be related to? Whatever that is, do the same with them. So you're not going to curse them. Keep the energy bright, light, positive. You want to come correct. Come with humility and respect. So think of them as your elders. Even if they weren't older, they're now different and presumably wiser because they're on the other side. Have insight that you don't have. So I would treat them all like elders even if they didn't die old. Um your altar is not for everyone in your family. It's not a family reunion, especially in the beginning when it's just being enlivened. Maybe you ask for someone to be your guide who has your best interests at heart, um, and you keep that kind of generic. 
You want that person to come through. And that's what I would do because a family that hasn't been tended for generations has a lot of baggage. And you want to be sure that whoever is representing the family is what we call cleansed. Um, I don't, that's not a technical term. I just kind of threw that out there. <laughs> um, but you want them to be purely in spirit and fully crossed over, not somewhere in the in-between. So someone who has recently died or died painfully or tragically is not the one that you want to call for your ancestor altar. Um, I know some people who have gone, uh, who have called young people who died in a car crash and they put them on their altar because they want to be close, and I get it, but those are not the people you want to appeal to for help. Give them time to get cleansed, crossed over, and be at peace. We all have work to do, and when we're doing our own work, we can't help um, others very effectively. Some people put uh, pictures of their dead. I don't think that's a good idea. It's up to you. Different traditions have different ideas. Um, but what's dead should be dead. It's not a place to mourn. I treat my dead like uh, they're on the other side. If you have an enlivened shrine, I also think that anyone whose name you can remember is probably not the best bet for having as your family contact in your shrine. Uh, if your family hasn't had a, a shrine for generations. Uh, you want someone who's well in spirit. I could do a whole podcast on this, but I won't today, so just take my word for it. Uh, I wouldn't do pictures. It's not an absolute no-no. People do. I just don't think it's a great idea for beginners. You might want to have a bell or a singing bowl to ring uh, on your altar. Thus, you just ring it right before you start to talk to them. It's a way to get their attention and say, hey, I'm here. Uh, I use my voice for this and just tone. So however you want to do it, I do it the same way every time. I'd reach out to them the same time of day-ish, too. It's like if I called you on the way home from work every day, you'd anticipate it and be there if you want to talk to me, right? So you'd be available. It's the same thing with spirits. Now, Halloween's just around the corner, um, and it is easiest to talk to spirits on Halloween or six months from now, Mayday. The thing is, and this is kind of a warning or just a heads up, is that all spirits come through. It's not good spirits. It's not your spirits. It's all spirits. So that's how the whole Halloween tradition of wearing masks came about. It's to hide your identity so that the bad spirits won't know who you are. Or if it's like bad Uncle Joe, won't be able to find you. Um, <laughs> so just keep that in mind. If you want to do some sort of... Um, protection or something, you might want to do that. Just be aware that they're not all good. So keep that in mind when you decide who to contact um, and how you want to do that. So if you want to deepen your animus practice, uh, come join us on the private Facebook group. Let's chat. Get to know each other. I'd love to see you over there. Sending gratitude to the elements and our loving, helping ancestors for being here. I thank you all for joining us for this edition of Modern Animism Radio. Please consider donating as we need your financial and emotional support, and you can do that on our website at pansociety.net. Um, wishing you a happy thanks or happy Thanksgiving, happy Halloween. <laughs> thanks for tuning in. I'm Laura Giles for Pan Society, and I'll see you next week. Ciao.